In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. It's been a fantastic weekend of NFL and Jack and Ian have got me back on my own podcast. What a joke that is. But anyway, I'm here with Jack and Ian and we're talking all about wide receivers. But before we do that, Jack, who is your two teams for the Super Bowl? Who are you going to call at this stage? Uh, I, I genuinely think we watched the Super Bowl this week. It was Bills versus KC. So uh, I think KC uh, are locked to go all the way now. Um, on the other side, I, I think it's got to be the how badly the Rams have played in the second half. I just think they'll screw it up and we might see the 49ers. We don't deserve to see the 49ers, but I think they might fumble their way um, all the way to the Super Bowl and then get smashed. Ian, what two teams are you going with? As much as I listen, and here's the thing, there's this age-old debate now. I can like Joe Burrow and root actively against the Bengals. These two things do not go hand in hand, okay? I like Joe Burrow, Ohio State's finest, but they're going to get throttled by the Chiefs. And I know they've already beat them once. Yeah, they beat them in a game where Kansas City was already in the playoffs and the uh, Bengals were fighting for their life. And if you remember right, a lot of things went right for that game to end the way it did. So regardless, um, I do think, you know, there's been a lot of talk here now in Chicago after Rogers uh, untimely exit against the Niners. But it's odd because a lot of people don't understand the 49ers were built for that environment. They're a run heavy team with a physical defense like the Packers. So the issue wasn't on the defenses. The Packers want to spread it out. Lazard, Cobb, you know, Devontae Adams, they want to turn and throw the ball. And it was an ice skating rink out there. They couldn't do it. So the Niners were actually more equipped to play in the snow than the Packers. Now they're going to SoFi Stadium. They have the defense. Stafford can be easily rattled into mistakes and turnovers. So I think the key to that game is can the 49ers establish the run and can the defense put enough pressure on Stafford to where he makes the mistakes that everybody knows he's capable of making. I actually agree, Jack. I think it's going to be the Chiefs and the Niners. But it, was the just, wow. it was just embarrassing the way Sean McVay coached that second half. It reminded me a bit of like the Browns when the second like the half co- of the Cowboys, the Cowboys game last Cowboys year, when we were up like game. 35, seven Tennessee the- game. Yeah, Titans was going to be the next one. It was that perfect environment. If we pass heavy early on, we build this big lead, and then we just go into run the clock down for the rest of the game, and it's like the game then gets closer and closer. They should have come out and put the absolute boot on Brady's throat. They could have easily got over 40 points there, and they decided just to go away from what was working. And it just makes no sense. Well, I and think the I'm odd part... Go... go ahead, Paul. Sorry. I think I'm going to go with Bengals versus the Rams. Mr. Contrarian. Uh, Paul, what are we going to do with you? I, I, I would love to see um, the Bengals come out and have a massive shootout. Another like 80 plus point. I mean, listen, they can do it. 
But also, I'd like to just cover this before we get into the wide receiver discussion. Okay. The game yesterday between the Chiefs and the Bills was not the greatest game ever. You caught in the moment society of the world. They're the greatest game ever. No. First of all, it was not. That was a great game for three quarters. And then it just went to hell in a handbasket. And yes, I know all of you with like over props and parlays and fantasy football and all this stuff. You love those games because there's just every guy on the field is doing something. But that was some, and Jack, ironically enough, you mentioned McVay's coaching. I could point out a coaching, a a brutal coaching mistake in all four games. Vrabel pissed away that a last drive for the Titans. I have no idea what he was doing. Then you have Tannehill throwing on third and six to get a first down that gets picked. Brutal coaching mistake. I have no idea what the Packers, if they even have a special teams coach, but that was absolutely appalling. And Borquez, you have one job. They had not moved the ball on you all day. So the only thing they could do was block a punt. Kick the ball. One step, not three. You took an extra step. You got it blocked. Okay. Borquez, special teams, coaching, nightmare, fired. Then Rams, Bucks, Tampa Bay. You won the Super Bowl with a good defense, yet you let Cooper Cup run right by Antoine Winfield like he wasn't even there. What are call Greg Williams, learn how to play a halo because you should have had the rule. Nobody over the top. Awful coaching, deserved to lose. And finally, in that last game, Buffalo. No, it wasn't a coin flip. You gave up. 44 yards on two plays in 10 seconds and a field goal. You did not deserve to win. You gave up two touchdowns of over basically 64 yards to Hill and then 50, uh, 44 yards in 10 seconds. You blew the lead. You should have squibbed it off the thing. Special teams, bad. And defensively, what are you guarding a sideline for? They have timeouts. Horrible, 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 horrible. Bad coaching. Anyway, that's, guys, we're that's all I got. Cleveland Browns podcast. And we're not going to get too deep into the NFL playoffs, but it has been a great weekend. I've really enjoyed it. A lot of late games, but we're going to be talking about the Cleveland Browns and we're not going to be too worried about the three games left of the season. Let me ask a transition question right now. Neutral field, there's four teams left. Bengals, Chiefs, Rams, and 49ers. Could the Browns beat every single one of those teams on a neutral field? with the way they played in the second half last year? I don't think they beat KC. KC is the one you think. They've beaten Burrow, so we know that one. The Rams, okay. I mean, I think our secondary is decent there. Jimmy G, this is the thing, like when you talk about the Browns, is they're not that far away. When I looked at the playoff caliber of teams, the one seeds and such yesterday, I think the Cleveland Browns are closer. And listen, I know that the big question obviously sits in number six's hands, but if we can get what we talked about in the quarterback podcast, a top 12 performance out of your quarterback, you cannot tell me that the Cleveland Browns would not be able to win playoff games with the talent that's on that roster. No, it, without a doubt. The, the, the talent's there. It's good to go. Um, we, we've just got to drive on and deliver it. Um, at the end of the day, it rests with the quarterback. If we had better, if the Bengals should not have won that division. If any of the three teams other than the Bengals had a above average quarterback last season, they win the division. Anyway, lovely translational question there, Ian. So we're going to go straight into wide receivers with the Cleveland Browns, because if we get this room right, there's a chance we could be winning the division. We could be winning more than the division. Um, This is the, this is the most important room um, this off season uh, for me. So 
if we look back at the last two off seasons, um, when the rosters cut to 53, I've had six on it. So in 2020, it was OBJ, Higgins, Hodge, Landry, Natson, DPJ. Um, last year, it was Odell Beckham, Landry, DPJ, Schwartz, Higgins, and Felton's included in that. If you listen to the running back show, he's in there because he played more wide receiver than running back. So we're looking at six dudes in this room. Um, the Browns played 42, 44%, um, three or more wide receivers. So it, the big, the top two receivers are the most important. Um, they will play another one, but a lot of priority goes on those two, and they need to be able to play outside cannot have a predominant slot in your top two. Um, not to say you can't have a guy that does both, Tyreek Hill, perfect example. Um, it's just saying you can't have a pure slot there um, just because you you want this person to play outside if you're playing just over 40% of snaps with two. So first we're going to touch on and we'll, we'll go through each of the spots is wide receiver one and when I say wide receiver one I am not talking about your Devontae Adams your Hopkins your absolute stud I'm talking just about the best wide receiver on the roster um so we'll start with roster there is no player on there um that's not really a debate um I don't think that's a shock to anyone um I'll throw out some big names in free agency and then I'll pass over to the guys. It's not going to be a drafted dude. You're not going to draft a guy and expect him to be the best wide receiver on the room in, in the room in week one. Not a sustainable strategy. Paul? Um, to question that in a friend, friendly way. When the Bengals took chase, did they expect him to play week one? I'm not saying the dude can play week one, but will he come in week one and be the stud and the best wide receiver in the room? I don't think that's a great strategy to go with. Um, yeah, it could work out that way, but I wouldn't go chasing that the same way. I wouldn't go chasing quarterbacks at pick one nine nine because Tom Brady was picked there. Um, I think but, it's very much an outlier, but rookies have also, performed quite well last few years. Also though, Jamar Chase went into a situation where he didn't have to be the number one on day one. You had T Higgins who was coming into his own. You had a reliable vet like Tyler Boyd. You had a solid running game uh, with Joe Mixon and you had Joe Burrow who had played with Jamar Chase in college. Right? So that's one of the rare things, you know, we obviously can talk about Justin Jefferson coming in and doing well with the Vikings, but then we also have to point out how slow of a start Brandon Ayuk got or Jalen Rager got, you know, there are guys that go in that first round who are just not ready. Jamar chase may have just been the exception, but I also think that if Jamar chase was in this wide receiver draft, he'd be wide receiver. Number one, even coming out of college again. So I'm not sure any of the guys here, I'm not saying they can't come in and be number one in terms of your target share, the problem I think you're going to run into is, you know, rookie wide receivers hit a wall and you don't have that perennial stud top guy. Justin Jefferson has Adam Thielen. The Browns have Jimmy Buflitzlik, you know. So I'm going to fly through some names in free agency and we'll, we'll go into discussion. You've got Devontae Adams. He's not coming. Let's push it to one side. I would love Devontae Adams in free agency, Trey Farron Rogers. Let, let, let's put the drink down. Um, so three Big, big names is Chris Godwin, Mike Williams, um, Michael Gallup. Um, then you've got a secondary tier of free agents, which is sort of Alan Robinson, DJ Shark, Will Fuller. 
all underwhelming for different reasons and you wouldn't really want them to be your one next year. But hey, those top three dudes can easily be gone. And then I'll throw one more name out there, Amari Cooper. I would say it's about a 50-50 chance he's cut um, before the 21st of March when 20 million of his base salary becomes guaranteed. Um, So that is definitely one to keep an eye on. So I'll throw those out there. Should we discuss them before we then jump into trade targets? Um, So Chris Godwin, Alan Robinson, uh, Mike Williams. Mike Williams. For me, Mike Williams is the guy I'd most want. I I think big body dude gets down there. Um, Interestingly, Telesco from the Chargers said we're not talking at the moment to him or Derwin James about a contract, which just seemed weird. Um, but who knows? They might have different ways of doing it. And the what weird thing Alan, on him, Alan Lazard. Trade, he, he's not Lazard. that good. And he's a uh, restricted free agent, so he'll be tendered. Meaning you'd have to, so for tenure, Jack, you might want to explain just so people understand when we talk about exclusive rights or restricted free agents. So since Alan Lazard is a restricted free agent, if the Browns wanted to get him, what would happen? So say they use a second round tender, um, the Packers, which is sort of what's been rumored, um, chatting to some of their guys, um, is we would offer a contract to him and the Packers can either then, if he signs it, the Packers can then either match it or they don't match it and then we have to give up a second round pick. So it's one that just, we're not likely to give up that sort of asset for Alan Lazard. If it was someone amazing, hey, we probably make that move. Say it's JC Jackson from the um, Patriots. Um, he got a first round tender because it's really, really good. Hey, Jack, I don't know if you saw this. A couple of days ago, I saw a tweet change regarding um, exclusive rights and stuff. The Packers, not necessarily maybe putting the tag on Lazard, but Devontae Adams. So somebody had asked Corey, would the Packers use the exclusive tag on Adams considering they already have to commit the 120% figure? And he said the wide receiver tag exclusive currently projects to be 22.623 million, but is subject to change. Packers would likely be fine with getting two first round picks for an unmatched offer sheet from the non-exclusive version. A tagged player has not moved for full compensation since Joey Galloway in 2000. I've thought about it for a while. It's probably just a matter of time before a team is willing to give up two first-round picks with a franchise player offer sheet, considering the draft capital in the Jamal Adams, Khalil Mack, Jalen Ramsey, and Laramie Tunsil trades. I would be shocked if there is a scenario where they can franchise tag Devonta Adams purely. They just do not have the money. It is insane, the bad cap situation. It's very similar to the Saints where last year where they just gutted the middle of their roster. Um, that thing is going to get absolute broken down. Um, Rogers is making noises that he wants to go um, because he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild. Adams, for me, I, w- I want to see him in Vegas. You do know that his college quarterback was Derek Carr, right? I do. Him, Waller, Renfro, get those four. That that could be fun to watch. Yeah, I, I think the idea, though, is we're going to have to find – some diamonds in the rough for instant production out of the wide receiver position. You know, there's a bunch of guys out there that I've kind of put my finger on that said I'd be interested. But the one thing I just, I think happens Jack is 
as teams get down to it with this elevated cap, a lot of teams are going to have some cap space because they've done short-term deals to kind of get through this COVID thing. I just see a lot of these guys potentially making it back to their original teams. You know, when we talked about Mike Williams, I just, with a rookie quarterback, I just don't see how their chargers don't that let him go. I mean, he's a talent. He's such a big part of their offense physically, you know, literally and physically. So I would be curious if this wide receiver list looks a lot thinner come March than it does right now, where we see some of these names at the top. Cause I think the real values are kind of to your point where we're going in those C and D tiers. Yeah. So Chris Godwin is one I could see hitting the market if Brady retires, which seems possible. Um, it's the first time he's even opened up the door of discussion. Um, Mike Williams, I think, is either kept or he's tagged and then traded for maybe a second. Um, Gallup is one I could see um, if they just don't think he's going to come back um, and go for it. Um, but I, I, I could see him if they move him from Cooper going, actually, sod it, we'll keep Gallup for one year, as you sort of floated before in discussions. Well, it makes sense because Cooper's contract, there's three guys on their passing attack between Wilson, Gallup, and then Dalton Schultz out of the tight end position. If Cooper's 20 million and you can spread that out a little bit more and cover, you know, more players with one contract. I I mean, Jerry Jones came out and literally said that the production from Amari Cooper doesn't match his contract. When the owner's saying that, that's a problem. It it might be one where I know he's not a sexy name. Um, if he's willing to do a one-year deal to try graze his stock, then Alan Robinson is someone that I would consider purely because they will need somebody in there. Um, but another factor that people are talking about, and it, I think it might be a reason why they have to look at a change of the QB position, do players, would a player want to come on a one-year prove-it deal to the Browns? I think it's a no with Baker at quarterback. He's not been one that's elevated the talent, made people look good. It's not like you're playing one year opposite Miles Garrett and it makes you look a lot better than you are. Um, Clowney hasn't been amazing, but he's got the 11th highest um, sacks in the league. So, whereas if you look at someone like, let's say Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins has elevated three great wide receivers, Diggs, Thielen, um, Jefferson. And I, I think that could easily play a factor where, we would love some of these bigger names, but I don't think they're going to do one-year deal. They will want decent guaranteed money down on the table. Yeah, I think your your point is 100% correct in the sense of multi-year deal. But I also think that the ability to come in and get main target share is kind of what you may end up with with one of these guys where you have the ability to say, yeah, you're my wide receiver one. You're going to line up on my X. You know, that's why I think some of these lower names become more attractive because realistically, Jack, we're probably looking at more of like the Patriot strategy where it's like you come in and then in the system, we will scheme per- people open a guy like Kendrick Bourne, you know um, what's his name? Jacoby Myers, you know, these type of guys come in and get production and end up getting deals somewhere. You know, we talk about, Christian Kirk. You talk about the other guy in the Chargers that I like, the Jalen Guyton. Like yeah. these are the type of guys now that fall into place for that. So just out of those seven bigger names, I, I think we're both in agreement that Mike Williams would be our guy. Yes, I mean based on the based on that list, I would say Mike Williams is my top. I mean, I'm going to throw Devonte Adams out. I, I don't even consider that. To be oh, I, I, I won't include him yeah. in the list. I'd so I would say. Cooper. 
Yes, I would say no. I'm I'm a no on Cooper. Um, I'm I'm Godwin. So I would say Mike Williams and Allen Robinson would be my top two. I just think a Rob's going to want too much money after the kind of sham job he's got out here in Chicago. I mean, did you see the tweet that he deleted? No. So Allen Robinson was replying to somebody on Twitter where they basically were talking about the, um, the coaching staff and somebody replied in the comments, you got it wrong. The coaches gave up on Allen Robinson, LOL. And Allen Robinson wrote back. Yes, literally. So, yeesh. Well, we'll keep an eye on the time because we do 15-minute shows only. But um, the... Um, Not in the off-season. What would... Um, yeah, what would them people cost us, Jack, roughly, like Mike Williams? 17 million probably a year. Which, hey, when you're paying Landry 15, the, the difference between a Landry to a Mike Williams is significant. That's, that's going to be my next question. If I'm allowed to move on, are we going to keep Landry? We'll jump onto wide receiver two next. I'm just going to let Ian flow trade um, because make the case for Calvin Ridley or anyone else. I would say that at this point, the easiest way to get trade candidates, because the other option is if you can't get free agents, you got to go out and make trades. And if you're a guy with assets and you're a guy with a little bit of the ability to kind of maneuver to say, again, guys in bad situations sometimes can be moved when teams don't want to overpay. For example, why would Washington give big money to Terry McLaurin when they don't have a quarterback, right? So that's where a guy like Calvin Ridley, who it's floated out there that wants to be traded. The accrued season thing, you may get him where he comes in and has to prove it in an extension. It's going to get ugly, but he's a guy I make a call on. DJ Moore in Carolina, he's a guy I make a call and see if they're interested in moving him. Terry McLaurin's a guy, Marquez Callaway. We talked about the Saints cap. And even Scotty Miller for the Tampa Bay box. I mean, if Brady retires, Scotty Miller's a guy you may be able to go out and get who's going into that final year of the deal. He's a speed guy. You know, these are the type of production wide receivers. I think you can go out and get and not have to give up major amounts of capital. So I, I think it'd be a second for Ridley. The reason why it just makes me uncomfortable. It's like, that's the second we could use in a wide receiver. But if, if the point is true that we cannot get anyone, then it might have to be a trade. Because you can't go into next season with DPJ as your number one again. Jack, um, we use the second to get Calvin Ridley. Then we trade back in the first and get pick up whoever second that is. And we're back in the second, baby. Now we yeah. get whatever we want. You get the second from the following year, though. You get Erroneous. the second the following year. You wouldn't get one and two. Um, they're one and two this year. For you want to move from 24 to 13, it damn sure is. Most teams will, will want the asset next year. Um, but jumping on, as Paul asked, wide receiver two. Uh, there's one dude on the roster that's capable of doing it, and that's Jarvis Landry. I cannot see him being given an extra 15.1 million to hang around this year. I think he is a dude that gets free agency. Could it be quite late in the cycle? I think they want to get to um, the combine, have a chat, and make sure they can get something before you cut him. Because, hey, if none of these dudes want to come and you cannot get a trade at a decent value. I don't want Landry here uh, is value, but you might not have much of a choice. However, gut wrenching that is. Um, I think it's a low, low, low scenario that that happens, but it's not, it's not impossible. He is not a hundred percent guaranteed cut. I, I would put it just above 90%. He's a very, very good chance of being gone, but I, I wouldn't guarantee it. And there's a small chance, obviously, that it gets cut and they renegotiate a deal to push it out a couple of years. And for the people that restructure, you have to cut it. 
cut him to get the cap space and then re-sign him back. So that would be something they'd work out with the agent, which I think is a possibility. If he really likes it here and wants to stay here and he has a good place in the offense and thinks he can maximize it, give him what six, what do you think his market value is? Six to 8 million, Jack? Uh, I'd say eight, eight, eight to 10. Yeah. So three years, 24 million. Yeah. So yeah. Wide receiver two and free agency. Some of the guys I have, you know, Christian Kirk's out there, DJ shark, Russell gauge. We've talked about, I think Zay Jones from the Raiders would make sense in that role, especially if Devonte Adams goes out that way. Um, Zach Pascal from Indy is another guy. I think that could fill in that role. Cedric Wilson's a guy. Yeah. I just, we'll see. I'll be curious if he actually makes it to the market, but yeah, we'll be able to kind of maybe go a little bit more into depth with some of the free agents. Once all the, the tags and all that stuff kind of sort its way out, but these are just the role, right? So you're talking about wide receiver one, your big dominant X main time primary uh, target share guy. Number two is the guy that is a matchup guy can come in, you know, get you that third and six, get you that third and seven, you know, Jarvis Landry plays that role. Well, Um, he can line up in the slot, can do things. Um, wide receiver three so just, might be just a, two before it. we get to three. I think there's a very, very, very good chance that we have two free agents. Um, the reason why I think they will add two free agents is because you don't want to go into the draft where you've given up all hope that some amazing edge or some other fantastic player drops and you have to still take a wide receiver because you've only added one free agent. You cannot be relying on Donovan Peoples-Jones to be your number two next year. Um, there is just no sensible scenario where that's in play. So um, I feel really, really confident that we're adding two free agents or a trading the free agent. Yeah, it's not fair to Donovan Peoples-Jones either, to be honest. I mean, that's putting him in a, a position to not succeed. So, And there's enough names out there with guys where if you're not looking for the one and you're looking for that secondary role guy where we're talking about maybe plugging wide receiver two or three or two and four or whatever, there's plenty of guys out there for that. So then we jump to sort of the rotational guys, the three and the four. Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones, I think, has got a great shot there. I, I really like him as the number four. And then I think your, your number three guy is coming through the draft. Um, if you get them two free agents, find someone in the draft, whether it's first or second round. Um, I think it'll be that early. I wouldn't lock in on first round as some people have. Um, I just feel it's coming in the first two. It will be early. Yeah, absolutely. It'll absolutely be early. Um, they'll use, I would say a top one of their top 50 picks on it. You know, whether they move around in the second, if they don't trade back or they move back on the first, picking up more assets, I think absolutely. I think edge, edge and wide receiver, your top two picks, but going into free agency right now. Obviously, if they sign somebody that could change that. But yeah, I think right now, edge and wide receiver would be your top two picks. So here's a scenario I want to play out. They sign two free agents. They draft guy in the first or second round. And then they're sat there in round four. And there's a guy they had, say, a second round grade on or something crazy. And they love at wide receiver and they go pick him up. Yeah. Then got seven dudes here. So you've got two Perfect. free agents, you've got two draft picks, they're first and a fourth. And then you've got Donovan Peoples Jones, Anthony Schwartz, Felton. Just mm-hmm. think that's seven dudes for six spots, which is a problem. But it's a, an amazing problem to have considering we usually sit here, Paul's favorite part of the season, and we're like, which UDFA or like, Nobody free agent. Are we going to put in this 53? We're talking about potentially one of Donovan Peoples-Jones, Anthony Schwartz, or Felton not making the roster. They'd get traded. It wouldn't be a straight cut. But 
that is the level of turnaround that we could see in this room this offseason. I think the other guy to throw in the mix is the Paul Brown special, the UDFA, is Jamarcus Bradley. I think they could, you know, bring him back and give him a shot because this is a guy who's in the offense. We've seen that he has the ability. He made that beautiful sideline catch this year. You know, he's an exclusive rights free agent to the Browns. So throw him in the mix as well. I want to see what he has. He's been around here, signed as a UDFA in 2020. So this is a chance for him to come in and wrestle one of those spots. And I, I have no problem bringing in, remember how we brought in like Jojo Natson to fight, bring in these free agents, give them short, you know, cheap deals. Let them all fight battle. At this point, we need to have, you know, a meritocracy in the wide receiver room. The best man needs to win because without it, you're not going to get the production you need. And we've seen the one thing in this playoffs. What do you notice? These wide receivers don't drop passes. Gabriel Davis, who the hell is this guy? Four touchdowns. Bam. No drops. George Kittle, I'll exempt you. You're a tight end. Still, I'm talking about flat out guys making plays, catching the ball. That's what we need. Paul Higgins, is he going to get a cup? He has no chance he makes the roster. I don't think he'll even make camp. Um, I, I do not expect him to get a deal. This guy's been in more dog houses than a hunting dog. I think he's gone. So yeah, it, it's going to be changed this year. There is going to be they're going to be dripping with talent, and that is how he changed stuff. Berry is ridiculously aggressive when he he has a we had the offensive tackle we had um, what did we have uh, last year? We had a corner um, and the part of the passing defense. Now. We're going into the wide receiver room. Clout, Schwartz, is he safe next year? I, I think he, he's safe. So he he and Donovan Peoples-Jones were asked to play further up the depth chart than they should have been. Um, we went into last season where wide receiver one and two snaps should have been locked down. They should have all been OBJ and Landry. And then it was, hey, let's work some of these guys in, do some little stuff. They had some little packages things for uh, Schwartz week one. Um, and it actually worked quite well. Um, but then they were just asked to do a lot more. They needed more time to develop, and it just became a mess. The concussion is a certain worry because that was like six weeks or something, um, which scares me. But there's plenty of upside, and... Um, yeah, that you can't teach that speed. Got a touchdown last year as well, did he? We were all there. Lambo, we were there. Um, is there any other wide receivers that we've forgotten about? Like Jojo Natsu, he's just gone, right? He's gone. Yeah, they released him. Ryan Switzer is, I think, the only other one that's on the active roster. Um, and he's obviously coming back from a, it was a season ending ankle injury. He did. So Switzer's an interesting guy. He obviously got a lot of snaps in the slot out of Pittsburgh. So he's a guy, I think you just bring into camp. You see, again, you're talking wide receiver three, four specific roles. You know, we talk about Anthony Schwartz running. I mean, we saw it yesterday and listen, here's the thing about these guys, right? So Schwartz, Nicole Hardman, who everybody compares him to. He had one catch yesterday for 26 yards. It was just very impactful as an overtime and set up the game winner. But if you look at Mecole Schwartz's or Mecole Schwartz, Mecole Hardman's stats, there's nothing crazy. And this is with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. So when you have a guy like Travis Kelsey and you have a guy like Tyreek Hill, a guy like Demarcus Robinson, right? These guys step in. I mean, hell, even Josh Gordon is trying to get get the play down there in Kansas City. When you have a potent offense, that guy serves a role. Handoffs, reverses, 
long crossovers to get guys wide open. So that's kind of what Anthony Schwartz is. They, when they drafted him, they said he needs to learn how to play wide receiver. That tells you all you need to know. So here's the question. Say they go my route of those seven guys, two draft picks, two free agents. Who would, if I, I had to, if you had to say today, I'm putting them all as evens on odds. You've got to bet on one of these three not to make the roster. DPJ, Schwartz, Felton. We're not talking IR or anything. Everyone's healthy. Which one do they give up on? I think the rank. No, I think the ranking goes Schwartz, Felton, Donovan, Peoples-Jones. I think Peoples-Jones is the least likely of those three if shit hit the fan for him to make it. What? Well, Schwartz has a skill set fast. Felton has a skill set shifty. What's Donovan Peoples-Jones skill set? Big. I can go out and get a big guy anywhere. He he doesn't do he's a four four eight guy, and we've seen what that can do, but we've seen inconsistencies and he's not a polished route runner, which in terms of what I need, I mean I, Jack, you made a point interesting about the wide receivers. What can what can Donovan Peoples Jones do that David Njoku can't do? I mean Njoku's what a four or five guy? Something we'll get onto on the next podcast. It is spicy. Um my wide receiver too might already be on the Browns roster and his name's not Jarvis Landry, but that is for next show. To be, uh, fair, to be fair, he's not even in the wide receiver room. I know Nick Chubb. No. Hunt. Paul, Paul the hints have been very obvious. We just said his name. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> We'd have to re-sign him though. He is a free agent. Yeah. No, I, I've, I've got a special plan up my sleeve. So uh, make sure you come back on Thursday for that because it, it it might not be as mad as it sounds. And don't worry, it doesn't involve keeping Austin over. Yeah. And, you know, just to kind of give people other names, you know, that we we're obviously talking about some lower end guys to bring in, you know, a guy like little Jordan Humphrey from the Saints, six foot four size, boom, take a shot. Ashton Doolin, the kid who's coached by a guy I went to college with, Devin Jordan, uh, kid out of Malone, speed guy, right? So you can't get Scotty Miller out of a trade, maybe Ashton Doolin. A guy out of Miami that's been inconsistent, Preston Williams. He's a guy I think you can do something. We mentioned Jalen Guyton. We mentioned Christian Kirk. Guy to Ohio State that I think is just a decent receiver. He's been Guyton. buried. Guyton's a restricted free agent, I believe. So A few of these guys are restricted and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it depends on the original tags. Uh, Noah Brown from the Cowboys is a guy that I would take a look at. We talked about Zay Jones, Cedric Wilson, Josh Reynolds. You know, these are guys that I'm just, you know, you're throwing out names to get production. Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, from the Bills, you know, he obviously had a devastating, a few of these guys, like I said, are restricted. And then is Zach Pascal, is he uh, restricted as well? I don't remember. Don't Anthony Brown. Hey, B is never playing in the league again, but. Oh, Antonio Brown. I was like, wait, who the hell is he talking about? Of fame tweet. <laughs> that tweet where someone photoshopped him holding a uh, Bucks eliminated or goodbye Bucks sign. But when he was uh, hop, hopping around in the end zone and then he went and reposted it, fair play to that man. He's been screwed by Arians and he is not going out without a fight. So, yeah, I think the uh, the wide receiver room is going to be different next year, right? I think it's the area, if we're looking at it overall, like, we yes, we want to upgrade edge too, but overall it is the room on the team, the, the overall room that needs upgraded the most. It's, it's without a doubt to be competitive. You've seen it this weekend, Jack. We've talked about it repeatedly to we're blue in the face, talking about you need to pass first to set up the run. Well, you didn't invest all this money and damn your running backs and all this other stuff to not have a passing game that can be respected to you have Nick Chubb running against eight defenders. Okay, so 
we've talked about it. When Andrew Barry puts his mind to something, the man makes things happen. So let's hope that we can get some guys. And listen, they may not be the sexiest names. They may not. But if they catch the damn ball and they get the yards we need, I'm good. I'm good with it. Yeah, it's important to get them all together, get them ready, get them gelled across this season for that first round pick that we make next year at quarterback. <laughs> you don't know what we're talking about. Go back and listen to the uh, the quarterback show. But yeah, Paul, otherwise you got anything else to add? Just some Cleveland Browns news. Nick Chubb, Joel Batonio and Miles Garrett named all NFL by Pro Writers of America. Very good, Doug. I was surprised on that. Nick Chubb's had a a great season. He, I wouldn't put him in that elite category where you, you, the Taylor um, and a few others were incredible. He didn't lose at the Jags in week 17 to keep him out of the playoffs, so Jonathan Taylor got eliminated for that. Um, one quick question. What's your views on um, Baker versus Dustin your Fox. old mate at Ohio State, Ian? Um, what's he called? Dustin Fox. Yeah. All right, the, guys. Good. Good, Jack. I'll this sort of stuff this. really feeds into my narrative. Oh my God. The Browns front office might just want to get rid of this dude. Not because, yeah, on, the on the field play hasn't been great, but we're talking about a bridge quarterback now. We're not at the position where we're talking about a future franchise quarterback. And if you're having a bridge, you don't want a bridge quarterback causing problems the same way you don't want a backup quarterback causing problems. So I I think we might end up getting to the point because this little spat isn't the end of the world, but this must stuff must be going on behind the scenes as well for him to get so irate about this stuff that they might just go, look, you give us Kirk Cousins and a third round pick. We'll give you Baker and six, um, the sixth rounder, or maybe they throw in some cap dollars. But just to say, look, be done with it. Um, we're taking a quarterback next year anyway. Who cares? Um, but this stuff has got to be winding up the front office and the people making decisions. Jack, are you so quick to forget that when Kirk Cousins was doing equally dumb shit in Washington trying to get his way out? This is what quarterbacks do sometimes when they want to get out. Sometimes, how many times? I mean, Aaron Rodgers is one thing, but sometimes they just rattle the cages. And listen, here's the thing Baker knows what he's doing. He, this, this is not, this is not, he, he has a way of getting back at people. I think it's all made for internet bullshit. Okay. I'm going to tell you, I've known Dustin Fox for 20 years. Okay. He freshman at Ohio state, the same year I was there played basketball. He dunked on me because he was a freak athlete. Okay. Dustin isn't out there for some clout chasing. Like I know a lot of people kind of want to take shots at the media. That's not what Fox is. Okay. He's a good dude. He is confident in himself he absolutely would say anything to Baker Mayfield's face. And that's just who Dustin is. You know, Dustin was, you know, a very dominant athlete in Canton. He's a guy that has some pull in terms of, you know, around the way, around the area. So he's very much entitled to give his opinion on Baker. And you know what? Based on what he said and what we saw yesterday, even given the shitty Kansas City or Buffalo defense, do we think Baker Mayfield would have done what either of those two guys did? No. So he's not wrong. If that hurts Baker's feelings, get better. Like however many tweets you want, buddy. I don't care. Get better. You don't be like Tannehill and throw an interception on third and six. Be like Burrow. Right? Joey Joey Garoppolo just won a playoff game without an offensive touchdown. The NFL is ripe for a league of winners. So just go win. Who gives a shit about social media? 
I got these younger generation, man, these people just, they're obsessed with who likes what and who did this, who gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit. If OBJ's dad engineered OBJ's exit, was Baker Mayfield's dad responsible for liking that tweet? It was probably Emily Mayfield. <laughs> Even though she loves to work out facilities in Avon, Ohio. Shout out to my close to my hometown of Lorraine, Avon. I've heard, I've heard that it's um, leaps and bounds from when it used to be an old science teacher's farm. Shout out to friend of the show, Joe Thomas. That man is fast becoming an analytics god. So <laughs> first, I want to go back two years. Um, back when he was actually playing, so maybe a bit longer than two years, he, he, there's this great interview, and Daryl Rice is actually the guy that filmed it, and um, they're all asking about yards per carry, and he smashes them on yards per carry. How it's a horrendous stat, um, efficiency metrics, because if you go 2 2 2 2 2 40, who cares that your average is really high? It's inefficient. Um, and then he went to war with Grossi. I did not expect to see Joe Thomas there. And um, Grossi's having a go at the Browns for uh, going on fourth down. And Joe is in there. And it's not just once. He's in there more than once. Um, Joe Thomas, you are one of us. You are an analytics nerd. Shout out. Go get a good kicker, too. Paul, anything else you want to add? I was going to say, wide receiver room, big changes. We might even do a wide receiver version two of this once some names start checking off the list just to reorganize. Once we go through all the rooms, we'll come back and we'll do shows where we're just talking about, hey, top five free agents, different positions. We'll, we'll group everything together. This is very much your overview of, hey, what is going to come in the offseason. Um, so if you're sitting there going, well, I want to look at some safety in a, the draft. Well, where, where should I be looking um, for that? Because you've got to pair that free agency with the draft. Yeah, I should have finished up by saying... Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.